Thanks for tuning in to the Grace Church of Ocala podcast. We are equipping disciples who make disciples in Ocala, Florida. I'm Pastor Michael Lockstampfor, and today we're starting a brand new series called Light and Glory. And this is actually the fourth part in a series that we've been going through covering the book of John. Now, the book of John is a biography of Jesus' life written by one of his closest friends and disciples. And we broke this book up into four different distinct sections. We started with our song in the night. Then we did through the valley of shadow. We just finished break the dawn and now we're in this last section of light and glory. So as we've gone through the book of John, we've seen that as we come to a better understanding of who Jesus is, who Jesus has revealed himself to be, that the light in the picture increases. We started at night, we went to shadow, we went to dawn, and now we're at full light, light and glory. As the producer of this podcast, one of the reasons that I'm excited about this series is that I'm not actually the one preaching it. You're going to get to hear from Pastor Todd McQueen as he finishes up what we started in John chapter 18 and then dives into John chapter 19. He's got a lot of ground to cover, but I think he does an excellent job of piecing everything together and bringing it into our backyard, having us ask the hard questions of what this text means for us in our life. I don't have any announcements for you today. We're just going to go ahead and dive right in with Pastor Todd McQueen and the first episode in our series, Light and Glory. Well, good morning, church. As we get started this morning in John chapter 18... I want you to pay attention to a short movie clip that you may recognize. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! The truth. Can you handle it? Do you want it? How many people do we run across in life that say, I want the truth! Pilate's going to ask Jesus that this morning. What will we do with the truth that a king is headed to a cross? Is it true? Is the story true? Did a king die? Or was it a really good prophet that liked people and got along well with others in large crowds and had a good social structure for being able to take care of the poor and the needy? That had the best health care system with no deductibles. We like that, Jesus. Are you willing this morning to consider that a king went to the cross? And as we go through our text this morning, I want you to pay attention to how many times the word king is used. How it is used. And how Jesus interacts with that. Pick up with me in John chapter 18, verse 28, if you would. John chapter 18, verse 28, picking up where we left off last week. 
Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters, so they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have even delivered him over to you. Pilate said to him, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, it is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. If you remember from last week, that the guys in Jesus had pulled an all-nighter. John has slowed the narrative down to minute-by-minute, play-by-play. And what started last week with Peter denying Jesus three times was the Jewish side of the court. And this morning, they're going to move Jesus over to the Roman court system. We pick up this morning around dawn. The Jewish leaders have taken Jesus to Pilate's headquarters. But they stay outside not to get branded unclean. This is some more John's dark humor. Here are the Jews doing this trial and staying outside of Pilate's house so they don't get unclean for the upcoming Passover feast. Not unclean since this railroad of a trial. Not wanting to be unclean, but using a Gentile to fulfill their goal of killing Jesus. So Pilate goes outside and asks, what charges do you bring? I'm sure if it was early in the morning, Miss Sue, and somebody called you at 5.30, what, you, what, the day, what are you doing? Frank would be out there like, Bruh. so you can see Pilate, what are you doing? What are you doing? What charges do you bring? And then the Jews, sarcasm. If he wasn't guilty, we wouldn't be here. And Pilate's, well, then you go try him. Why is it so important that Jesus be crucified? Because he said that would happen. What was the execution system if you were a Jew? Stoning. But in John 12, 32 through 33, Jesus specifically says, hey, they're going to crucify me. So pick up in verse 33. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Did you say this of your own accord? Or did others say to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would be here fighting, that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate said to him, What is truth? After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out to him, Not this man, but Barabbas. But Barabbas was a robber. So after meeting the Jews outside, Pilate brings Jesus 
inside, goes back inside to Jesus and he privately interrogates him. Pilate asks him directly, are you the king of the Jews? Are you claiming to be the competitor for Caesar? Are you claiming something to which there's a death penalty for? Jesus, I love his answer. Are you asking me this or did somebody tell you? Is this hearsay or are you asking me yourself, Pilate? And Pilate responds, am I a Jew? Why would he say that? Am I a Jew? Because what's he keep saying? The king of the Jews. But Jesus gets personal with Pilate. That's why Pilate's like, I'm not a Jew. I'm not looking to have a king that's Jewish. I have Caesar. And I like what Pilate said was, what have you done? Jesus responds in three ways. My kingdom is not of this world. Notice he's a king, just not right here, right now. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were here at this time, if my servants would be, have been fighting, then I might not be delivered over to the Jews. Pause there for a second and think with me. You're the creator of the world who created all the angel armies. For a second, just pretend that you're Gabriel's second in command. You're watching the creator of the universe at a trial where their looks like they're going to kill him. Do you think the troops are at a ready? Really? You think they're ready to roll? And all Jesus had to say was, hey, Gabe. <laughs> By the way, when does that happen? Revelation, he comes on the horse with his angel armies. Because remember, the Lord of hosts means angel armies. So here's the commander of the angel armies. And he says, by the way, it's not here. It's not now. If it was, they would have been fighting. But my kingdom is not from this world. And so Pilate says, aha, so you are a king. I got you. You say that I'm a king, Jesus says. I was born a human for this purpose. This is the only time in the book of John where you're going to have the Christmas story. You're like, man, we never read John for Christmas. There's not much detail of Jesus' birth in John. This is the only verse. Verse 37, I was born a human for this purpose. What's the purpose? And Jesus, at this time, he's bringing to truth, to light, truth. I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. Jesus has already said that. Pilate is seeking truth like any good judge would. Are you guilty of the charges that have been brought against you? Jesus is like, hey, let's talk personally here. Are you ready to interact with me? Because I am truth. I came into this world as God for the purpose of being a witness to the truth. You can hear him asking Pilate, are you really ready to have your question answered? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. The judge is looking for the truth to see if the guy's guilty and Jesus is taking it one step higher. Here's who I am. Let's deal with this personally. 
Can you handle it? For the purpose of me being here by my birth and by coming here as God is revealing the truth, to be a witness to the truth. And Pilate yells, what is the truth? It's so fun to preach. Pastor Michael's had this experience. I've had this experience. I'm talking to a guy last week, and I'm talking about the truth of Jesus, and he is the truth. And this guy believes in some other philosophy. I'm not going to go into it this time. When I present Jesus, Jesus to him, do you know what he says? What's truth? It's all relative. Just believe what you want. I said, that is so awesome. He said, what's so awesome? I said, Pilate asked Jesus the same thing. He says, I like my Jesus as the peaceful, loving one. I said, so you like the beginning of John and not the end of Revelation. What is truth? Can you answer that question this morning? If you've interacted with Jesus, is he your king on a throne currently reigning? When he said, I am the way, the truth. High-reaching fruit this morning for the level think those kind of level thinkers here this morning. You're seeking truth. That is probably one of the hardest things to define. And Jesus could say, I am it. Want to know truth? Get to know him. Follow him and follow him with others. But here's Pilate, the judge at a death sentence level court that just, wow, what is truth? So Pilate goes back outside after having this private interrogation with Jesus. And he goes outside and he says, I find no guilt in him. According to your custom, I should release somebody before the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the what? What phrase does he use? The king of the Jews. They said, no. Send out Barabbas, who is an insurrectionist or a robber, more than likely a terrorist, if that doesn't ring a bell in a contemporary thinking in your mind, but definitely a murderer, according to Luke 23, 19. So who do you want me to release to you? Send out Barabbas. And we read it this morning, we're starting in verse 1 of chapter 9. Let's begin the six-hour king truth trial. So Pilate goes back inside and he flogs Jesus to coerce him to recant or to make a bold statement on these truth claims. This is the first flogging. This isn't the brutal one with the cat of nine tails. So the soldiers put a crown on Jesus' head made of thorns. Like I told the kids, these aren't just rosebush thorns. They say these could have been like over six inches long. So when you put them in, it went into the skull. They put a robe on him of purple color signifying royalty. And they slapped Jesus around while chanting, Hail, King of the Jews. And Jesus remained silent. The irony here is not to be missed. He is the king. It is true. And they're mocking the idea. 
And Jesus remained silent. So Pilate goes back out for the second time, claiming he can find no guilt in him. Because Jesus didn't say anything through this beating. So Pilate brings Jesus out and says, Behold the man! Notice he's not the king, but an insurrectionist. And Jesus, Jewish leaders cry out, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate, for the third time, says, Take him yourselves and you crucify him. I find no guilt in him. But the Jewish leaders, according to law, say what? He claimed to be God. He's, we got a law that says he should die for that. The irony. Did he ever claim to be God? By the way, the cliff footnotes are on the screen in front of you. There's four, exam there's four ex quick examples. So what are you going to do with this Jesus guy? Is he just a nice guy that was a prophet with good health care benefits? Or is he a king that actually resides on a throne and died for you? He claimed to be God. Said it four times. For sure. Should he have been stoned if he really wasn't the acting king? Absolutely. Jesus doesn't answer. So he takes, he goes back inside, takes Jesus back inside, and he has another private short interrogation. You can see Pilate go, where are you from? Don't you know that I have the authority to either release you or to have you killed? Jesus responds here, you have authority because it's been given to you. Pilate from here on sought to release Jesus, but the Jewish leaders outside say, if you release Jesus, you're not Caesar's friend. For everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. And they yell, crucify him. Crucify him. So Pilate now goes into his formal judge mode and takes his seat in the official courtroom and yells, behold your king! And the Jewish leaders yell, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate yells, shall I crucify your king? We have no king but Caesar, yelled the Jews back. So verse 16 of chapter 19, Pilate pronounces the death sentence of crucifixion. The sentence is pronounced. We read this this morning, and isn't it amazing how well it echoes Isaiah? Jesus carries his own cross to the execution site and is killed between two criminals. Pilate goes and posts Jesus' death sentence. That's why the sign is above Jesus' head. If you wanted to know why somebody was being crucified, you read the note. Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. And you can see the religious leaders come running. Well, don't write that. Don't write that. Say he said that. Put that in quotes. I have written what I have written. Pick up with me in verse 28 of chapter 29, or chapter 19. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said, 
to fulfill the scriptures I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was a day of preparation, and so the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a high day. The Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it is born witness. His testimony is true. He knows that he is telling the truth that you may also believe. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones were broken. And again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. Fulfillment. The king had to die. Remember our cue from John 12, 32 through 33, that Jesus said, here's how I'm going to die. Not by stunning, but by crucifixion. Psalm 22, verse 18, foretold the fact that the soldiers would gamble for his clothes. Psalm 69, 21, said they would give him sour wine to drink. Exodus 12, 46, says the Passover lamb, you shall never break any of its bones. And in Zechariah, the Israel would look upon whom they had pierced. He had to die. John pans back here in a narrative and says, you all know this, we've been talking about this for a long time. That's why while we read Isaiah this morning, it's as if Isaiah was right there, got the perfect picture of what was going to happen to Jesus on the cross, and zooms back in time and writes it then. But even in the book of John, there's things that cue that Jesus said what would happen to him. And the psalmist pens. Imagine lyrics that you sang for synagogue every Saturday. You memorized. And then when Jesus is crucified, you're like, man, we've been singing about that for centuries. He had to die. It was a matter of fulfillment. There was a plan. Our king fought his way to the cross. Look at verse 38, chapter 19. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen clothes with, with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. The king died. John goes into detail that he actually really did die. If you get notice that one of your friends dies and never go to the crematorium or to the funeral or never a graveside service, you might have wondered. 
These details are there for you to say, yes, my king really did die. Because that will come up later. Maybe he didn't really die. Maybe he just fainted. We hear this stuff today. But these verses are that the king really literally died. They literally buried his body. And it was literally in obedience to his father. What was Jesus' main purpose on our earth? John's already taught us to glorify his father. Forgiveness of sins on the cross is incredibly important, but it's secondary. It's a byproduct to what Jesus' obedience to the Father. Forgiveness of sins isn't the main thing. He was here to follow what the Father had told him to do from eons past. Literally died. Literally fulfilled the mission. Literally glorified the Father. Only in the Bible and only in Christianity and only in following Jesus, only in being a follower of Jesus, is the highlight of our story of death. But it literally did happen. Is it true? Did a king die? And a 30-something-year-old Jewish guy that happened to have good social etiquette and all that. But was he literally the king? Look in the text. How many times did it hit you today? Mark in your Bible, read it back through, and put a little asterisk next to every time the word king is put in there. The cool thing is that the Christmas season we went through, wow, there's a promise of a coming king. Right in the middle of the crucifixion story, there's the idea of a king. And we have the judge saying, I want the truth. Can you this morning handle the truth? Is it true that it was a king who died? And the good news is he's going to raise from the dead. And the great news is he's promised to come back again. It is. It is true. The king really did die. Are you Pilate this morning? What is the truth? I like my potluck Christianity. I can get a little bit of good over here. I can get a little good over here. And I can eat at the smorgasbord of all kinds of spiritual stuff. If you eat what you want to, and we can get along just great. What is truth? Or is it the mocking, sarcastic way in which Pilate interacts with these people he doesn't like? The Jews. Yeah, he's your king. Go to church on Sunday and go worship your king. But the being here this morning and being the role of Pilate is the inward stuff. I can let things happen around me, even at the cost of somebody's life, and try to wash my hands of it, and it'll all be good because I've mitigated my social circumstances. Are you the crowd? Crucify him, crucify him. Granted, this is a trick question because we all want it to happen, don't we? Because in our own way, we cannot earn our own salvation to deal with our own sin problem. We kind of like the fact that God loved us enough to lay down his life to illustrate what love was to the extent of costing him his own life. It's hard to cheer. I cried this morning thinking about that. 
I'm most likely would have been Peter. They're coming to crucify him. Never mind God's plan. Let me get my sword out. Let me get my Glock out. Are you John? Because John puts a little something in the text that I read over quickly. He says in verse 35, He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true. And he knows that he's telling the truth that you may believe. John wrote that in there. You don't see many authors throw their own opinion in these in this narrative. John dumps that right in there. What's he talking about? Will you be a witness? John is a witness to testify. What did he do to testify that this was true? He didn't like it on Facebook. He wrote the entire book. Was there with Jesus. He was there when he saw Peter deny him. He hasn't got to the resurrection yet. And he says, I saw with my own eyes. So this week, will you be a witness to what Jesus has done in your life? Will you testify that it is true? Take that another. Don't add to the smorgasbord of spiritual flavors. But say, Jesus said some crazy stuff about himself. I am the only way, the only truth, and the life. Will you testify to the truth and take that bold stance of saying, I may not comprehend it completely, but I know where the truth is, and I know who he is. And will you be a witness or testify to that? Because John says, I, his testimony is true. And I know that I'm telling the truth. Why? That you may believe. Us, the readers. It's one thing to throw a tract out. It's one thing to be able to say, Miss Sarah, here's some truth. I bring my wheelbarrow up to you, and I dump it on you, and I run. You got somebody at the social club where you're hanging out, Miss Joan, and you're like, oh, I'm going to share Jesus. Pastor Todd said something about it. So you run up to him and throw a bunch of Bible on him, and then run. That they may What? Sustain the avalanche of your temporary evangelism. Huh? They may what? What's the word? Say it out loud. Help me here. Believe. This word is a big deal. To interact with truth, to have faith in it, to put all the weight of your spiritual sustaining of your life now and into the future on this idea of truth. In America today, on a college campus in downtown Ocala, or in the woods mountain biking, this is a crazy idea. You got singular truth that I can know and that I can believe in? Yes. Move it from the page of social media to the page of relationship on relationship to people on people and time to be able to share it. Will you do it this week? Will you be John?
Thank you.